CTSNet friends. Welcome to another in the series of the CTSNet Beat podcast. My name is Joel Dunning, bringing you all that's good and great in cardiothoracic surgery. And we've got some absolutely fascinating articles for you this week. Uh, a really good Lancet publication all about uh, the sequence of events in the demise of the first ever human pig transplant uh, as a transplant uh, recipient. Really fascinating. Not often you see a case report of a single case in a um, in a Lancet publication, but yeah, I'll tell you more about that. The second article is septal myomectomy, but not through the aortic valve, through the mitral valve. And the third article is all about type A di dissections in the under 30s. We've also got some amazing videos for you. We've got uh, a high-grade osteosarcoma being that goes into the heart, a heart and lung operation. Uh, we've got a really good Ismix key address, and we've got a summary of everything that was wonderful in June. So stay tuned. Uh, keep listening uh, to this CTSNet podcast. we've selected for you in Jans uh, is uh, published in the Lancet is by Bartley Griffith the professor who put in uh, the world's first successful pig transplant into a patient and Mohammed Mohuddin uh, who is the, uh, the the you know brains uh, behind it as well who's also knows so much about the immunology and uh, they did a really fascinating article in the Lancet basically documenting uh, the three things they thought that caused the demise of this amazing groundbreaking uh, patient. So you might recall that the patient was a 57 year old. He was called David Bennett um, and he was there at the University of Maryland and uh, and he was not eligible for a, a heart transplant. So very bravely indeed, he said that he would be happy uh, to have the first pig a genetically modified xenograft. Uh, and, uh, and the US FDA uh, granted permission under its compass compassionate use uh, uh, system. So they put in the uh, pig's heart uh, and actually did really, really well. Um, his echoes were functioning brilliantly until day 47, got out of hospital. Uh, and then there were a series of events that led to his eventual heart failure and rejection. Um, they described the fact that they thought there were some overlapping things and three things they highlighted. The first one was that uh, Mr. Bennett was really ill. Uh, not surprising if you're not eligible for a heart transplant and very ill. You You've got to pick the, the most ill people uh, to do these things on. But because he had such a poor state of health, he did become quite immunocompromised just to himself innately. Um, and, um, and this limited the use of some of the anti-rejection regimes that they were planning on using and that they had been using in the preclinical studies. Uh, so he was more vulnerable, perhaps, to a bit of uh, rejection. The second thing is because he got some infections and he was immunocompromised, um, they used some intravenous immunoglobulins to try so antibodies, basically trying to attack the bacteria. But uh, but they actually thought, in retrospect, uh, this might have triggered an anti-pig immune response, and they showed some evidence of uh, antibody targeting on the vascular endothelium of the pig's heart. So that was number two. And then number three, um, they have just uh, created a test to look for porcine cytomegalovirus. Um, and, and they did feel that this pig had latent virus 
uh, in the transplant um, and this may have contributed uh, to uh, the demise as well. And they're now going to test for pig cytomedical virus. So, so they do have three things now that they might be able to use in the future to, to mitigate against this. But great article, really interesting. True rarity to have a N equals one case report in the Lancet, but truly groundbreaking and congratulations uh, to these incredible pioneers, uh, Bartley Griffith and everybody else there. It really is difficult uh, to be so cutting edge and congratulations. We look forward to the next time you try that uh, operation. Secondly, another really fascinating uh, write-up, uh, and this is in trans-mitral septal myectomy uh, combined with mitral valve surgery. So, so if you've got a patient with hokum, I'm sure you normally go through the aortic valve. But uh, they looked through their database and they found between 2017 and 2020, 14 patients where they had mitral disease. So they, they addressed everything through the mitral. Now, I did know that uh, you could go through the mitral as a bit of a bailout if you can't go far enough uh, with your myectomy through the aortic valve but using this as routine in someone uh, having mitral valve surgery really I thought was quite novel. So this is published um, in the Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgeon. Uh, this is by Farhad Bakhtiari um, in the Helios Clinicum in Siegberg in Germany uh, and is a really fascinating insight very beautifully uh, demonstrating their technique including a really nice quite quick video as well provided by that journal free and open access so congratulations to that brilliant journal it's a German publication and, and I really like to see open access with videos there so they found 14 patients that were having mitral surgery um, and quite a lot of them were in heart failure uh, quite a lot of them were in atrial fibrillation uh, their technique that they described, they had a 140-minute bypass time, say 78-minute uh, cross-clamp time, uh, and their mortality was zero. So it's a really good results. Uh, but what did they do? Uh, well, mostly uh, they cut the, uh, the anterior leaflet and pulled it down so that they could get good access to the, uh, the septum. Uh, they then cut, so they're using a, a right anterior thoracotomy as well, so they're not using a stenotomy, which is really good, so avoiding that stenotomy. And then they seem to have really quite a good view uh, to cut out uh, the septum. They're aiming for between 10 and 15 millimetres in depth uh, to cut away. And then after that, they put a patch uh, on this uh, cut in the mitral and mostly in 11 of them they managed to uh, repair the valve and in only three they needed to do a replacement. Um, from my point of view I was always really worried about how thick to make the myectomy. Uh, the best technique I ever heard was actually making a hole in the right ventricle and putting your finger uh, in there and then feeling with both sides to feel how thick you've made it or thin. So, so I'm never quite sure how to best do it when you're just trying to cut this myocardium without knowing how close you are to the other side. They did say they used TOE guidance, but of course you can't do that uh, while you have the, the uh, left atrium open. But I was very interested to see that they did get really good results. They preoperatively planned it. They planned their uh, depth of resection. So, so obviously they're very experienced, really good. And congratulations to this brilliant German team at the Helios Clinicum. And the third article we've got for you is another really interesting article. It's an EJCTS article um, by Florian Schoenhoff and Maximum Lure. And uh, they work at the Heart Centre in the University of Cologne in Germany. 
Um, and this was a look through uh, their database. They have a really amazing database of 16 institutions uh, and, uh, and they have a huge database of 7,900 patients having acute aortic dissection. And out of them, uh, they looked at the very rare group of the under 30s age group. Uh, they found 139 patients uh, having this. And I'm sure if you've seen someone under 30, it really is a very traumatic for the whole team. They're so young and, you know, so uh, high mortality that they, everybody just wants to uh, push out the boat to try their very hardest for these patients. So what did they find? Um, well, interesting. You'd think that all of them would have a connective tissue disorder, wouldn't you? But actually, they only found a no-named connective tissue disorder in 36%. That's a third. Um, the other high level that they found in this was arterial hypertension. Uh, they, they had a five times higher level of hypertension than in those that had a connective tissue disorder. So perhaps uh, those were the two things that, uh, that accounted for this aortic dissection in such a young age group. And also 10% had a family history as well. Uh, it does leave you wondering whether the rest maybe had an undiagnosed connective tissue disorder. We don't really know everything about all the connective tissues. We know about Marfan's and Loedit's, but, but I'm sure there's many more out there all desperate to be recovered. Uh, so, so that's what I often think. And actually, uh, this article also showed that there was a operative mortality of 8.6%, really very high for a under 30s age group, you know, pretty reasonable for a dissection group. And if you look through the table uh, documenting how ill these people were, there really were quite a high level of people tamponading, some of them having massage, some of them had had strokes or distal ischemia or renal ischemia. So they really were very ill group and therefore to get an 80% 10-year survival uh, and to get only an 8% operative mortality I think was a really impressive effort through these fantastic 16 centres. So check that out perhaps uh, in the EJCTS uh, in this month's edition. So those are our three articles that we've got um, and I'll just hand you over to our CTS Net office to tell you whatever what else is on offer on the CTS website this week. Submissions are now open for CTSnet's annual innovation video competition. The competition rewards surgeons at the cutting edge of cardiothoracic surgery with a $1,000 cash prize, a prominent feature on CTSnet, and an exclusive interview with the judges. Submit your videos showcasing creative solutions, novel surgical approaches, and technological advances in CT surgery by August 31, 2023, for a chance to win. For more information, visit ctsnet.org slash innovation video competition. Welcome back and thank you for that message. Uh, so we've got three really interesting videos. The first one's uh, something pretty tasty for thoracic and cardiac surgeons out there. Uh, this was a 22-year-old man. The poor guy ha had an amputation for a left distal femur, high-grade osteosarcoma, and then was found to have a right middle lobe mass, but extending into the left atrium and there's an amazing um, echo of this frond of of tumor just floating about poking in and out of the mitral valve there so so phenomenal echo uh, this video is from sammy side our wonderful uh, pediatric senior editor here at ctsnet from the westchester medical center and ali mashadi uh, did the narration and i'm sure a lot of work 
Um, and uh, so they, they did a stenotomy. Uh, they put the patient on bypass, just a, a bicaval cannulation. They didn't do SVC, SVC cannulation. Then they opened up the left atrium and there they saw this big finger coming out of the middle lobe vein uh, into the left atrium. So they then uh, did a big, huge window into the right chest. They preserved very nicely the phrenic nerve. Um, and then they uh, used standard techniques to uh, resect the middle lobe but then they opened up and opened along the middle lobe vein cutting towards the left atrium that they'd already uh, opened up and then opened it out like a book and then they lifted the whole tumour out including that long finger uh, and then closed everything up uh, really nicely. Very interesting video, really fascinating and the patient left hospital with day three. Fantastic job, so really well done. It was four centimetres long, this tumour, and I certainly encourage you to check that one out if you have just 15 minutes in your day to see something really unique. The second video is absolutely outstanding. It's from the 2023 ISMIC Society and it's their two keynote addresses. So the president, Vino Tarani, uh, introduced uh, these outstanding speakers. Uh, the first, Robert Higgins and Michael Madius as well. Uh, and I was fascinated. They were really brilliant talks. Um, Robert Higgins really is an extremely accomplished uh, cardiothoracic surgeon. He's now gone into very high level uh, management, uh, managing huge numbers of beds and hospitals. And so he gave a very high level talk about, uh, about the importance of innovation in today's healthcare, basically with the argument that you know we really can't do uh, without it, uh, and uh, really, really interesting. Uh, and so these, uh, this video is about an hour long. Uh, certainly suitable to put on the TV in the afternoon, maybe or the evening when you get home with a nice glass of wine. Have a listen to these two amazing giants of our specialty. And uh, thank you very much to Ismix for allowing us to share these. And they're going to share a few more of their presentations from the wonderful ISMIC Society meeting that they had last month. The third uh, CTS Not Contact we've got for you is a summary of everything that was wonderful in June. We think our listeners and readers really like uh, nice quick summaries. So if you haven't been able to log on for a little while on CTSnet, just go straight to this. And this shows the 10 most popular articles of June and dive straight in and maybe pick two or three that really fascinate you. I'll give you a quick whirlwind tour of what was brilliant in June. Um, the first one, the most popular click clicked video uh, was a post-infarct VSD closure without a ventriculotomy. Um, I thought this was fascinating as well. Um, Enrico Coscioni and Mario Torre uh, sort of gave us a great view, basically sort of using some of their congenital heart surgery experience to manage to not do a ventriculotomy, but going through um, the left atrium and through the aortic valve. Fascinating video. Check that out. Uh, the top Jan's uh, click uh, was the amazing uh, UK mini mitral trial, the randomised trial of around 300 patients of mini thoracotomy, basically port axis mitral or conventional stenotomy. I'm sure everybody was fascinated to see uh, the port axis mitral technique really put under the cosh and really tested out. Uh, whichever side of that argument you're on, I'm sure you'll love to see that. That was our Jan's top article uh, in January. Uh, our very best uh, sponsored video was by Tom Verbella, and he did a really great How I Do It video of a double valve replacement. So if you're a resident uh, or a junior or medical student or just interested in how we do aortic and mitral surgery, this has both beautifully described by Tom Verbella. Um, 
another most popular article was uh, Iltic Root Replacement, Repair or Replace? So uh, that was really, really nice. It's a Jans article and it was from a really big database. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to spoil what the conclusion was, but check that article out. That was one of our Janses. Um, the most popular instructional video was a really nice video of hints and tips and tricks for internal mammary artery harvest. I'm sure a lot of the residents and medical students and juniors had a really uh, good time checking this out. It's only about 15 minutes long and uh, was really popular and, and I thought it did a really nice job of showing those techniques. And a really good one if you're low in experience taking the mammary down, just check that out um, while you go. There are a few more really good videos. The, the most popular guideline was the ISHLT guidelines for mechanical circulatory support. Uh, Sammy Side had a couple of top hitters, um, anomalous aortic origin of the right coronary artery and a sutureless repair of TAPVC uh, in a neonate. And, uh, and then the final few, uh, there was a really interesting rapid deployment valve of a, of, of a rapid deployment valve over an aortic mechanical valve uh, where Andrea, Andrea Aldo showed us how they practice to rip out the leaflets of a, of a misfunctioning mechanical valve and then they went into a patient to do a sutureless valve deployment over a mechanical valve that they'd taken out the leaflets. I thought that was fascinating. And the final one was a ravage repair and mitral, uh, which I thought was one for thoracic and cardiac surgeons wherever they are. So a good summary of everything that was great in June. I hope you find something interesting in that. I found, frankly, all of them interesting, but if you haven't got the time, pick a couple of them there. That's all our content for this week, but with there's some upcoming events, uh, CTSnet is very proud to be combining with the ASAIO uh, webinar uh, where they're doing an ECPR, Team Building for Success. It's on July the 13th. Uh, you can look in the show notes below and click across and register for free. It's going to be a free webinar. Uh, check it out. There's going to be some really stellar uh, panellists. Uh, the moderator's Ashok Kumar. Kumar and we've got some brilliant people Jeffrey Keenan from Duke Brittany Zweischenberger from Duke as well and Jason Smith from San Francisco they're going to talk about technical pearls infrastructure how to build a team and outcomes and optimization so if you log in live you'll be able to post some questions or if you don't have time for that then we will of course uh, post the whole finished video here for you to watch at your leisure and that's everything for this week. Just two more things to mention. Uh, where is Diego? Diego, the world roving thoracic surgeon. He's been in Europe and now he's gone back to uh, where his heart really is, back in the Shanghai Pulmonary Hospital. Uh, they're running another two-week course there uh, for over 40 delegates, teaching them all about uh, everything that's good in unipodal vats and rats. Uh, you should have a look at the programme. It's absolutely fantastic. They've literally listed live sleeve surgery uh, with 130 operations going on every day. They can literally pick two or three sleeve resections to do by uniportal vats and rats. I mean, what a course. So check that out and maybe go one year. I think they're doing two to three per year. Uh, and so so check that out if you like on the Shanghai Pomni uh, Centre's website. All new buildings, uh, all new th th theatres, theatres with four patients in, truly crazy. Um, and then I would like to give our honourable mention of the week to Tyrone David. Um, this name is, is just a household name in the whole world of cardiothoracic surgery, surgery and everybody knows Professor Tyrone David. Of course, his incredible dedication to uh, valve sparing root replacement is uh, his greatest achievement and, and he obviously eponymously has given his name uh, to the David procedure. So. 
Other things uh, I love about Tyrone David is that I actually talked to one of his residents and uh, and he was stunned by how fast Tyrone David is. Uh, if you haven't seen him operate, not a lot of people realise how quick and efficient he is. And he was actually asked once, um, how is it that you are so quick and fast? And he said, oh, I don't know how fast I am. It's just the clock seems to stand still when I operate. Very interesting. There was also a study um, in uh, in smooth in efficiency of operating, and uh, these uh, researchers were really interested in ergonomics in surgical operating, and they they said that the average efficiency of purposeful movement in a surgeon is about sixty five percent. What do you mean by that? Well, it's like when you go to do something but do something else, or you put your hand somewhere where you're not doing some something purposeful. That counts as a non purposeful event. So the average is 65 for a surgeon. Tyrone David scores 95%. So I think there's something he can teach us there in, in always trying uh, to optimise every single move we do. But the reason I'm giving him an honourable mention this week is he has generously uh, given his week uh, to come up to Middlesbrough to teach us aortic valve sparing root replacement. We'll be spending a week watching him doing his operations here in Middlesbrough. He's just come from the Brompton Aortic uh, Root Symposium and so he is so generous of his time. I just want to give a big shout out to him and a big thank you from all of us at James Cook University Hospital. So that's everything we have today uh, on this CTSnet Beat. Thank you very much for watching to the end. Uh, do please get in contact with me if you'd like to suggest any Jan's post, post a video. Uh, and otherwise, I will give you a summary of everything that's wonderful and good in the world of cardiovascular surgery next week. So do tune in there. Thank you very much. Thank you.